Hey, it's Rhett from Real Agriculture. Today's episode of Wheat Pete's Word has some audio issues starting about halfway through the episode. The quality is still listenable, but it's not what you're used to. Hope you enjoy. Thanks. Good day and welcome to Wheat Pete's Word here on realagriculture.com for Wednesday, November the 7th on this episode of The Word. Okay, we're going to change. People have actually said, Johnson, you're all doom and gloom. We're changing. We're starting off with some awesome news. After that, some incredible opportunities for you. Then we will have to talk about the dawn situation in the corn crop, but even there we have some positive news, some, some excellent new developments that I think are exciting. After that, we'll finish up with the wheat crop. Let's go. First off, congratulations, Grandpa. Yes, the Johnson clan welcomes my sixth grandchild, a new granddaughter, Emery, born Monday night. Congratulations, Joel and Linda, mom and dad, and Leah and Riley, sisters. Just excellent news. Everybody is healthy. Everybody is well, and we couldn't be more excited. Next, the Southwest Agricultural Conference. Have you registered? It's awesome. We are 40% registered after seven days of being open only seven days. So either register through the website and that is southwestagconference.ca or call 1-866-222-9682. We have an excellent lineup of speakers. I couldn't be more excited again this year. Get registered. You do not want to miss out on this awesome conference. Next production insurance winter wheat november 7th ah that's today dang it it's the last day to plant your wheat crop and actually have crop insurance production insurance uh, insure that wheat crop but from nature nut neck way to go nick you are so on top of things really appreciate it yes you have to report your acres and by the way even if you have zero acres planted you still have to report zero acres so the deadline for that is tomorrow but even if you're listening to this on on the weekend or next week call in zero acres if you didn't get anything planted or send it in on the website the phone number there 877-247-4999 and hopefully hopefully that you got some wheat acres in just don't forget to report okay next awesome opportunity cereal rye into the corn stalks yeah i know corn's a bit tough to get off and it's wet oh my gosh is it wet 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 it just doesn't stop rain and harvest is such a challenge having said that though aiden left us a message and he's been putting cereal rye into his corn stalks for seven years and his average yield on soybeans after the cereal rye is 50 bushels per acre. I really think it's something we have to consider and look at trying. Do some strips if you get a chance at all. Just keep trying. Keep that positive attitude because, gosh, we just can't let this tough harvest get us down that much. On that note, there are still soybeans to harvest and that's very very tough really bothers me actually that there's still some seed soybeans to harvest and whenever i talk about wheat seed i always say you go to the field the first time it's dry that is the wheat that gets saved for seed not that you should ever save your own seed but in the wheat industry we know that happens if you're going to save seed you save the best seed you don't take the last wagon load because it may have got rained on 27 times well guess what those seed 
beans in the field, man, they've been rained on 27 times. It's not an ideal scenario. That seed could be germination affected, vigor affected. I'm going to have to test that seed carefully. If you're in that situation, just know you need to test that seed to make sure it's still good quality. Doug, you've got soybeans in your bins and this just drives home. What a crappy, crappy harvest it has been. Doug put the soybeans in his bins. He always does. 14 to 17% moisture. That's that's not out of the ordinary. That's just run-of-the-mill average kind of harvest. Uses bin cast to determine when to turn the fan on and turn the fan off. And other years, the beans would be dry in the fall or certainly dry, you know, early in the winter. This year, he's hardly ever turning the fan on because it's just never the right conditions to get those bins, these, those beans rather dry. And he's saying, wow, are we ever going to get them dry? So Doug, the answer is yes. Keep watching bin cats, but be careful. If there are 17% moisture beans in there and they start to warm up because we never get the fans turned on and we don't keep them cool and that drying front moving once in a while, we could end up with some tough beans in the bin. So make sure you're smelling the air coming out of the fans. Turn it on at least, you know, once every three or four days hopefully you have heat cables if they start to warm up you are going to have to pull them out and put them through the dryer i just it's not a normal situation but gosh you really have to worry about that ray you asked about at what moisture can you store beans you've heard you can actually store beans at higher moistures than corn so the official standards 13 percent as you mentioned but we used to have a, an official standard of 14 percent. they keep it 14 percent fine but remember they are a high oil content seed and so you start getting higher moistures you get up 16 percent even above 15 and they will turn very quickly so i would not want to push them above 15 for sure for long-term storage and to be safe but gosh 14 percent and, and why take the risk man it just isn't worth losing that crop okay i'm going to move on to corn and i know a few people are going to say oh no peter again so you don't want me to talk a lot about corn then leave me questions about other topics and and I'll still have to talk about corn but I I would love some other stuff to talk about because even I am getting a little tired of talking about the corn crop however good news so several people in the feed industry have contacted me and said Peter you know yes there is big problems in the corn crop there is dawn almost everywhere but in many cases the dawn levels are low enough that it's taking a lot of extra work for us to find that corn so we can make feed that's acceptable in the swine industry and all the other livestock industries but we can find that cleaner corn out there and we are able to make a good product so good corn exists that's on awesome answer because because livestock guys do not need that hassle it's just bad news all the way through and the other really positive thing that nobody's focusing on is we have massive yields out there in cornfields many growers telling me they have record corn yields 240 250 bushels per acre wow that's just incredible the only problem really is that in many cases the the dawn levels are unacceptably high. So what I can tell you is that in the industry, discussions are ongoing with how to utilize the 
portion of the crop that has dawn levels that are just through the roof and we, we just have to find a special market for them. So there was a meeting of the minds on Monday. There's going to be another meeting, I believe, next week at some point in time. And there's even there's even suggestion in the countryside that some of the ethanol plants may throw the doors wide open for a specified period of time and say, we'll take anything. We won't test. We'll try it. A, a trial run through the ethanol process. Make sure that, that those higher dawn levels don't cause us a problem. And of course, the DDGs, well, we're just going to have to land apply them. And yes, we can land apply them. I'm quite convinced of that. Of course, there will be a significant discount because a third of their income are the DDGs if they're unmarketable. So probably the discount is somewhere $1.70 to maybe as much as $2 a bushel. So that's a bad news scenario, but at least we'll have an opportunity to see if there is a way to use that corn that has those higher dawn levels. And on that note, can we make this crappy corn better? And the answer is yes. You talk about how an old guy, how, how young kids can teach an old guy new tricks. So all the way along, since we started getting into this, I've been talking about putting the screens on the bottom of the clean grain elevator on the combine, the return elevator. I did not realize that 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 is old technology and that a lot of combines, new combines that Johnson hardly ever gets to work around, they don't have those screens anymore. And so everybody must have been saying, Johnson, do you have a clue? Like, what are you talking about? Meanwhile, a 20-year-old, David Killens from near Dorchester, custom combine operator, this 20-year-old kid, he find screens, they have screens, and so now not only screens on the bottom of the clean grain elevator and on the bottom of the return elevator, but also a screen all the way underneath that clean grain auger where the corn drops down through the top sieve and into the auger. So now we have screen all the way across there. He did those three things. The other thing that he did on that combine is maximum wind blast. We talked about that lots. But also, on his combine, the top sieve is adjustable so that with a wrench, now this is interesting, brand new combine, we got to get the wrench out to adjust the sieve. But the back, about, I don't know, 12 or 18 inches of that sieve, he could close with a wrench and leave the front part open. By doing that, more wind blast through that, that front part of the sieve to carry the light kernels that have more toxin in them back. And if we can get them on the back part of the sieve that's closed, they shake out the back and we don't have that toxin going to the elevator. By the way, my 1985 white model 8700 combine, it can do that as well. The back part of the, the top sieve is adjustable just with a lever. I don't even need a wrench. And I can close that when I do get to the field with my combine. We're going to fool around and, and see how we can make that work. The other thing that actually both... David Killens and also David Orth, which is another producer, they, they instead of even running the screen on the return elevator, they just dropped it wide open and said anything that gets into the returns is not good news because the damage kernels, the higher dawn level kernels, they are lighter. We get them into the return, drop them on the ground. Don't want them in that sample. In both situations, they were able to to significantly reduce the amount of dawn in the sample. In the one example from Dorchester, went from 10 parts per million of dawn down to 4.5 parts per million. Oh, I know it's a little bit, you can't say that that's science, but wow, I think we can make a difference with these adjustments to the combine. That is awesome news. 
There's also lots of questions, particularly on Twitter, about the other factors. What about rotation? We're growing a lot of corn after wheat, and we're strip-tilling that corn in. Is that part of the problem? Will tillage help? You know, at the end of the day, they are factors for sure. The rotation plays, tillage plays a wee tiny little bit, but... It's weather and the other real thing, this variety thing, we just have to do better. We must do better on the variety front because there are huge varietal differences. Two more notes before we move away from the corn crop. Dust. So it's this excellent information from Art Shafsma. The dust coming off the corn crop is five times, just five times more toxin in the dust than there is in the corn crop itself. Please be safe. Wear proper protection. If you're driving the combine, you should actually have a charcoal filter in the combine cab. If you're unloading at the elevator, dust masks are essential. Respirators are better, but protect yourself. This stuff is nasty. The one really cool thing, though, out of this whole dust situation is that Art Shafsma says in Europe, they're sucking the dust off of the load as it unloads. And so by sucking the dust off, they can test the level of toxin in the load much more effectively than what we're doing with our own quick test. So Mark, you said this, you know, these quick testers, they're, they're horrendous. I actually wrote a little article about that. And so if you're on the net, you can get it on the Real Ag website. I totally agree that the testing system is, is just Almost to the point, as Mark says, Russian roulette, it's not quite that bad, maybe. But we have to figure out a better way, a more representative way to test. And Bob, I mentioned if you have crop insurance, you know, get it out of the field, get it in your bin. Bob says not in his bins. He's in that situation. He's had high dawn corn in his bins before, had huge trouble getting rid of it. Chuck sent me an email and and saying, you know, how can we make this work? So I talked about maybe the ethanol industry throwing the doors wide open, the dollar seventy a bushel discount. Well, gosh, the problem is that if you have crop insurance and the crop is written off, you don't take that dollar seventy a bushel discount. So how can we make that whole thing come together? They're working on it, just not quite solved yet. Last, if perish the thought, if we end up having to destroy some of this corn. So uh, several people have sent in some thought processes. Jonathan saying he's going to use a big forage harvester with the recruits cut screens in. And yes, Jonathan, that will work. The only thing is with that chopper, you're going to have to design a diverter head. You don't want to take, the, you know, some of those things are fairly big. They're taking eight rows or 10 rows of corn and they're putting it out in a concentrated stream. We can't do that. We'd have to spread it back out. Hank, you asked about composting. Yeah, we could compost it if we had to. That's a lot of work and I'm not sure people are going to be willing to, to do that. The other one is to go through the, the chopper. If the whole of the crop if you close the sieves and everything then goes through the chopper i think we could just combine it spread it back out i truly hope we do not get there all right going to finish up quickly on wheat ken you have wheat seed mixed with your fertilizer and you say you'll plant wheat right up till december the first but you're wondering if you don't get that in the ground what happens to the wheat germ yeah so we've had different situations and there's a 50 50 chance that next september 
that wheat seed will still have good germination, but the other 50% of the time, we get a vapor pressure coming off the fertilizer. That's why dusty fertilizer we think is bad, and if that happens, then there's no germ on the wheat seed. Uh, that just doesn't work. I don't know what to tell you other than if you get caught in that situation, you'll just have to do a germ test. If the germ is gone, it becomes cover crop seed next August or spread it out. It, it's not where we, any of us want to be, but that's the reality of where you're at. Craig, you asked about sow manure, and could you spread that on your, your wheat this fall? The wheat is just emerging, and would that provide nitrogen next spring? Be really careful. So first off, where you turn, as Harrison said, you drag line manure on wheat. Where you turn, it's going to kill the wheat. And the other thing is that when we've applied liquid manure on in that late, late fall period or in January, if you've got a January thaw, we have seen a 100% kill. The salt concentration in the manure can actually do a significant amount of damage. We're into November. Uh, if we have enough rainfall and we get that salt concentration moved out, I think you're okay, but, but it is getting to be a bit of a risk at this particular point in time. Look at that! I am out of time, as always! On behalf of the team here at realagriculture.com, this is Wheat Pete with the word for Wednesday, November the 7th. Leave us lots of questions, hopefully not all around the corn crop and we will have tons to talk about on the next episode of the word we will talk to you then bye now